This is a podcast about betting on sports, which is something you can do to try and make money. One important thing to know is that this podcast is not going to be the reason you get rich from sports betting. To repeat, we are not going to get you rich. There are sleazeballs abound all over the internet and we'll be happy to take your money to chase down that lie. Here at best, we might make you a little bit less awful of a better if you're lucky. Bet at your own risk. Don't bet more than you can afford to lose. And Godspeed. Welcome to some episode of season two of the Jay and Silent Rob podcast. Jay Swa Sports. Should I call you by your full name, Jay Swa Sports? Yeah, it's my slave name. <laughs> what, what's going on? What are we looking at? What what uh, what's happened? Uh well, we had football last week, and we were being blessed with football again tonight in the Battle of Ohio. Uh, when uh, Cleveland and Cincinnati take the, take the field. Uh, but, yeah, last week, week one, we learned a lot. Um, still a lot to be learned, but we actually have data to look at and, and overreact to. And uh, overreact is the name of the game in week two. It's, uh, you know, usually you have like a month long of preseason where it's a lot of, uh, you know, you're taking shots in the dark. But this preseason was truly taking a lot of shots in the dark. So we got some data, but we also – only have one sample size. So there's going to be a lot of overreaction. We're going to talk about how we can kind of use that uh, to our advantage as handicappers and just how we look at games. And um, yeah, so that, that, that's pretty much it. Uh, did you catch any football this weekend, Rob? I did. I did. I got to hung, hang out with my boy Liam. Shout out to Liam and watch the Giants lose. I, I left. Um, I left before the game was over because, because it was over. Uh, a little quicker than than he wanted to be. He's a Giants fan, but uh, I want to pull on one thread there. You talk about overreaction, uh, Jay. I think it's been a while, but you and I have at some point talked about the theme of value investing. Have you heard of value investing? Yes, yes, yes. The homie Buffett would be Warren Buffett would be the most famous example. But there are some who would distill value investing to the the reason that it works is what you just talked about, which is overreaction. So um, what would be an example today? Um, oil stocks. Everyone hates oil stocks. They're trading in the shitter. They're a record low percentage of the index. No one likes oil or kind of kind of classic energy, energy stocks. The theory as to why taking a value bet on that might work is that the market has overreacted to negative news. Absolutely, absolutely, and we'll we'll talk about that with some of the, some of the games this week. Um, before we do get into the games, a quick kind of fantasy update. Um, just in case you haven't been to the website, I do p- post uh, waiver articles on Tuesdays, so like who to pick up, uh, and also uh, you know people to stream for the week. Maybe they have really good matchups. Uh, Wednesdays, I I update the overall rankings, so it really helps you maybe for trades and stuff like that, and maybe to see which running backs jumped up a tier or down a tier. Um, so that'll be updated every week. And then t- we record p- podcasts on Thursdays. We get them out Thursday night, so that way Fridays, if you still have a commute, you can have that commute. Uh, but you know, whenever during the weekend before Sunday, you can listen to those Sunday games. Uh, so just a reminder to check that out. Uh, the big- best way to get my stuff is from Twitter. Uh, at Jaswal Sports. I also have a link to my website there. Uh, but that's just a little plug there. Rob, you're not doing any fantasy football, are you? No, I missed out, man. My, my lead from last year collapsed internally, political strife. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know why. I just didn't do it. But no, I'm not. No, I'm not. 
get you're saving yourself for for fantasy basketball season, which will be rapidly approaching before we know it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's good to have fantasy back. It's good to have um, you know football back, and um, yeah, I, I'm just gonna go through the games that I I kind of just have points on for each one. We'll talk about how they did last week and what we can maybe glean from that moving forward. Uh, the first game I want to talk about is the Los Angeles Rams coming out east to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Rams last week in prime time, uh, they beat the Cowboys. They, they outplayed the Cowboys, no doubt about that. But the, the bigger story was uh, all week they were kind of somewhere around two and a half to three point underdogs to the Cowboys despite hosting them. Uh, then at Sunday afternoon, the they, the odds change towards the Rams' favor before the game. We call that steam. So when you see a, the number steaming or moving, uh, so it was steaming towards the Rams. So like I said, it got to about uh, three points where the Cowboys were favored, and then it steamed all the way to the Rams being a favorite, uh, close right around minus one. Uh, so that's a major move. That's a major move. Um, the Rams did go on and win that game. Uh, steam's not a foolproof thing in terms of oh, every time you have steam towards one team they win um but it is notable it is notable because that's the market speaking that's the, you know market's not changing for no reason um like i said the, the rams did go out and win the eagles um were up 17 nothing on the washington football team in beautiful landover maryland uh, and then they collapsed the washington uh, football team came back they have a great pass rush and they they clawed their way back the eagles they're battling a lot of injuries um they just really didn't have it there. Uh, their play calling was terrible. They didn't uh, adjust to that pass rush at all. Uh, they kept throwing deep balls and, and you know having Carson Wentz sit in the pocket for a long time, which gives those pass rushers a longer uh, opportunity to sack them. They got sacked eight times. I cannot tell you the last time the Washington franchise had eight sacks. Um, but, yeah, so we, we have two teams kind of going in opposite directions here. So this, this shows us um, – you know, so last week they post week two's lines before week one even plays. So last week the Eagles were a three and a half point favorite. As of right now, taping Thursday night, it's actually a pick 'em now. Uh, earlier in the week, it got bet all the way to the, where the Rams were favored by a point, but now there's been market resistance. It's back to a pick. Um, but this is one just p- based on pure value. Um, you're getting you're getting some value with the Eagles. Um, so that, that's the first thing we want to introduce. The question is, you know, are the Rams really who we, we saw on Sunday where, yeah, they were good. They weren't necessarily excellent. Uh, it was more, I think, the Cowboys not being good. They, they had some injuries, um, but they the Cowboys really underwhelmed. Uh, but the next thing would be, you know, how much is the Eagles injuries, things of that nature. So uh, that, that's just the one thing I wanted to bring up is, is you are definitely getting value on the Eagles from their preseason market. Uh, you know, uh, assessment at least, but maybe the Eagles really are that bad, or maybe the Rams are really that good. So that's where, as handicappers, you kind of have to file. Okay, is it really worth all those points or not? Personally, I think it's an overreaction. Um, the Rams were at home. The Cowboys. Really, it was more about the Cowboys not being so good than the Rams being great. I think the Rams were decent, uh, but I don't think going across the country uh, and being on the road probably home home uh, field advantage is probably one to two points if you're factoring the cross-country travel. Um, so I, I don't think they're two points better than the Eagles. Uh, does that any of that make sense, Rob, and kind of what you are talking about with the value investing in, in overreaction? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So this opened at Eagles minus three and a half and, and moved to a pick since 
since last week? Yeah, so so essentially what happens is before the games are played, so before week one was played, all these week two lines were out, and then they take them down when the games start, so that way they can be put back up afterwards. Um, so they, uh, they, they were last week three and a half. Now here's another betting angle I want people to think about. While last week I told you how the Rams were, they were moving, right? So the Rams against the Cowboys started as three-point underdogs. Kind of a very similar situation. Then as it got closer to kick, the the line moved in favor of the Rams. What you can do as a better then is take that information and say, all right, the market knows something, you know, and unless you vehemently disagree with it, you can take that and say, all right, I'll just bet on the Rams now next week because their price should move in a similar fashion unless they, they would come out Sunday night and just completely lay an egg. Um, so that's just another way. It, you know, you can you can bet this. You're actually betting like a week ahead. Um, it opened again uh, this week at, at a three after the results because the Rams played pretty well. So it, it opened at a three. It stayed at a three for about an hour, and then it started getting hit all the way down uh, to then the Rams becoming a slight favorite, and now where we are now, which is pretty much a dead pick them, uh, even Stevens. Uh, does that does that make sense uh, in terms of just different ways people can be thinking of betting it, and it's just showing you, hey, you you get this bet a week ago, it was three and a half. Now it's a pick them. I mean, that's like that's a you know the three, like I said, is the most important number in betting football. So you're getting a three and a half, so you're getting that three, and then you're obviously getting the two and the one. Um, so that that's that's pretty pretty important. Uh, but it, that's all driven based on the overreaction, or I should say, it's all driven but based on the reaction. It's on the handicapper to determine if that's an overreaction, an underreaction, or if that's spot on. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, the only way I'd probably bet this game is if it got to Rams minus one or one and a half, then I would look to tease the the Eagles up to seven and a half. Uh, but right now, no bet. Eagles dealing with a lot of injuries. Uh, if you know, gun to my head in these pickums, I would I would pick the Eagles to win the game, but I'm not putting money behind it without seeing some injury reports first and maybe seeing what the market reacts uh, in the upcoming days. All right, um, next we have, to just piggyback off that, let's go to the Atlanta and Dallas game. Uh, just since we just talked about the Rams and, and the uh, Cowboys. So Atlanta travels to Dallas this weekend. Uh, Atlanta actually was in a similar situation as the Rams last weekend. They were steamed. They were playing the Seahawks. Um, for most of the week, they were about a three-point underdogs. And then they closed right around Pickham with the Seahawks. So steam came towards Atlanta, but the Seahawks actually destroyed Atlanta. Um, pretty much just was up a touchdown, if not more the entire game. Uh, and, and kind of, and, and you know, Falcons were really never in it. Uh, Dallas played the, the Rams, like we just talked about, and they were earlier in the week, three point favorites. They closed as underdogs. So money came against them and it played out kind of, towards that so for the for the falcons money came towards the falcons but it didn't you know the the play didn't um correlate to that money being there right it it looked like they were um you know it wasn't a valid bet whereas dallas money went against them and they played pretty poorly the rams won uh obviously you you don't want to jump to conclusions but just the way they played did it you know the the cowboys did underwhelm uh, so, so the, you know, kind of the play was correlated to what the market said. Uh, but the big thing here is, is the look ahead line for this game, Atlanta at Dallas was seven and a half. 
right now, as we uh, speak on Thursday night, it's four and a half. So that's three points, which is always big, but it's three points going through a seven, which is the second most important number in football, and going through a six, which is a third or fourth most important number in football. So that's just showing you that um, even though Atlanta kind of had an underwhelming performance, um, it's still a three-point swing for, for da- against Dallas, if you will. And that's where the handicap rest is decided. Is that more, um, you know, is Dallas really that bad as they played on Sunday night? Or maybe it's something they better saw with Atlanta. Or maybe it's that steam from last week that we kind of talked about where, yeah, Atlanta didn't play well, but maybe it was more about Seattle being good who, who beat Atlanta uh, last week. Um, so, yeah, does, does that make sense before I get into a way I would look to bet this game, Rob, in terms of how we're, we're seeing these changes uh, with these look-ahead lines? It does. It does. I'm also curious what you have to say about the – totals in these games relative to the the spreads right so to so as i mentioned last week atlanta at dallas was a seven and a half point favorite now it's a four and a half point favorite it was also a 50 point spread now it's a 54 point spread so that means it's going to be a, a shootout it's the highest point spread of the or of the to, excuse me, total of the week um so that's letting us know it, everyone's expecting it to be a shootout um, and a, a big reason is that is Dallas does have a great offense, but they also just lost its one of its best defensive players, its star middle linebacker, um, and, and you know he's pretty much like the key to their uh, defense, if you will. And Atlanta does have a great offense, and we said this last week. Um, Atlanta has a great passing attack; they just don't have a defense. So, two great offenses, two not so good defenses. There you go. Um, one angle to play this on, so. I think this is a little bit of an overreaction, uh, but that four and a half, I, you know, I, I don't really like laying that with the Cowboys. An angle to bet this would be since it's supposed to be such a high scoring game, it's very likely the Cowboys will be down in this game at some point. It might be the very first drive, right? So they kick the ball off to the Falcons and the uh, Falcons come down and score. At that point, the Cowboys should be right about a pick them. And this is something I did last week with the Steelers where. Uh, you know, I was watching the Monday night game, and, and I mentioned this on the podcast last week where you know, I wanted to see how Big Ben looked, and I also wanted to see how the Giants looked, how the Steelers looked. And the Giants kind of got out to a, a, a early lead, and then they punted the ball, and then the Steelers' uh, punt returner dropped the ball. So it was kind of like an outlier event, uh, and the Giants were only able to get three more points on top of that. Uh, and then, you, you know, Roethlisberger, the first driver, so they didn't score, but you can see they were making good throws. He looked relatively healthy. Uh, I waited for the Giants to score, and then I bet on the Steelers. So instead of having to bet them to win by six, I got them in-game. They, yes, they were trailing a little bit, but then I got them to uh, on the money line, so where they just had to win the game. And that's, I think, an angle you can do the same thing here with the Cowboys. Um, it's just, to me, if you can do that, uh, you know, if this if this Cowboys game somehow got under under three points, then I would just take it before the game. But there's probably a reason it would move that much, uh, an injury or something like that. Uh, but it's just another way to bet the game, um, and it also saves you of maybe the Falcons come out and they look so good, and then it's like you know what, I don't want to make this bet anymore. So it just allows you to get a little bit more information, and it's just allowing you to bet on these games in a different way instead of just taking a number at the beginning of the game and, and having limited flexibility. Because the NFL is such a difficult thing to beat with the, with the spreads that you have to look for different ways to bet the game. So we talked about teasers. Now, another really important way is live betting. 
Um, either the example I used last week or, or this situation, does any of that make sense or, or pique your curiosity, Rob? Yeah, I definitely like the live betting thing. It, it makes me think about last week we talked a little bit about power rankings and then kind of using those to contextualize, all right, I think this team is, you know, neutral field, four points better than this team, but then give two and a half points for home field advantage, right? Um, right. Um, it doesn't sound like, from what you're saying, week one gives you a ton of ammunition to update those power rankings like tremendously. Um, and if you're restuffling too much, you're probably overreacting. Exactly. I mean, we're, we're still on ranges, right? And teams are on ranges, you know, people, I mean, human beings are on ranges, right? Some days are better days than others. Um, so, so teams are on ranges and it's, it's, it's hard to say, all right, man, was that just their C performance or are they really just, you know, is that a, is that a normal performance for them? And, and they're just not as good as we thought. Um, so everything is on a range. You're taking calculated risk. Um, and you're getting more information. Uh, and it really is a different type of handicap. The first three, four weeks in a normal NFL year, and then given obviously the whole everything going on, it's even more challenging. But the first four weeks are really, uh, you know, you're trying to just, you're not trying to buy too much and everything, but you're also trying to get ahead of the curve. So it's, it's a really a art form more than a science. Once you get enough data on the actual team come week five, week six, then it becomes more of a, uh, of a science, but then you, you have different things like usually, uh, more injuries and, and maybe coaches getting fired, stuff like that. So, um, that's what makes the NFL handicap so interesting is you, it's this dance between, um, you know, it's not just all on the numbers, you know, where baseball betting is very, just all by the numbers. And it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, the randomness, you know, we got 162 games, like the randomness, it, it'll even itself out. Whereas, you know, football games, you, there's only 16 a team plays. So it, it just, you know, you, you want to take information from it, but you also don't want to glean too much from one game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're exactly right when it comes to you. You, you don't want to, you know, you do all this work in the preseason. You don't want to throw everything away. Um, yet there always is a team or two that completely outperforms or underperforms expectation. And you want to always find them because you can, uh, you know, capitalize on it for several weeks. Uh, but, yeah, those are those are great points you bring up. Uh, all right, moving to the uh, Carolina Panthers, going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, this last week, Tampa Bay played New Orleans. It was kind of like the marquee game of the week. Uh, Tom Brady really did not look good. Uh, we kind of mentioned this last year, last podcast that you know at the end of the day, the Patriots let Tom Brady go. Tom Brady didn't leave the Patriots; he was let go by the Patriots, and it kind of looked like. Um, you know, it wasn't pretty for, for the, the Buccaneers. Uh, that being said, I don't think it was as bad as it, as it, you know, as it looked as, you know, maybe your eye or your emotions wanted to feel. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a new guy hasn't had a new team, new coach in, in 20 some odd years. Um, the saints are, are, are a great team, a really good defense and they're playing in, yes, no fans, but they're playing in the Superdome, tons of familiarity, um, you know, Tons of familiarity with the coaching, uh, the teams, the players, whereas Tampa Bay's have so many new players and so many um, different positions. Uh, I think this might be one of those things where uh, there's a little bit of overreaction. People think Tampa's like terrible. So preseason, I said that this was like your, your drunk uncle's favorite team. Like, oh, the, the Bucks are going to be so good. They got Gronkowski, Brady, all these guys. 
And I was like, no, they're not going to be that good. But it's it's almost seemingly like now everyone's on the other side. Like, oh, Tom was terrible. They're they're bad. They're washed. And it, so, it, I mean, that that's one thing as a better is is one week you might be underwhelming on a team, and then the next week you might be you know more in, in favor of a team. But that's what you have to do. You kind of have to ride that wave, like we kind of just said. Uh, conversely, the the Panthers. Um, they played the, the Raiders at home. They put up 30 points, but they let 34 up. I don't think the Raiders are good at all. The Panthers, like we said, the, their owner, David Tepper, he's in this for the long haul. This is a rebuilding year. Um, the Panthers' defense probably is, is, if not the worst, top or bottom three worst in, in the league. Tampa Bay is a, is a team coming home, uh, needing this win. They're not going to overlook this team. Uh, that being said, eight and a half points is a lot. So this is a really good teaser option. We can tease them down to two and a half. So that gets us through the most important number of three, but it also gets us through seven and six and four, uh, which are very important numbers as well. So that's definitely an option I'm looking at. Um, but Tampa Bay's defense is for real. Carolina's got a decent offense. I mean, they just put up 30 points. There's no doubt about that. Um, but they're not going to put up 30 points this week. Um, the real question is, is how good will the – the Brady offense be. I don't think it's going to be stellar or amazing, but it's definitely going to be a lot better than last week. Um, and, and that should get them to a victory fairly, fairly easily. Um, do you want to try to explain a teaser again, or should I help you out with that? All I know is that I was wrong last week and it's not like chunking in one direction or another. You just, you move by, is it six every time? You can you can pay more for six and a half or sevens, but six is the best uh, mathematical best value. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you move a line by six in a direction that you want, and then you combine that with moving another line by six, also in the direction that you want. Excellent. So you complain yeah, that was perfect. You are um, moving the line in two games in your favor, mm-hmm. but you have to win two games in order to to win. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's certain scenarios where you can do this, but I, I would keep it to very basic teaser strategy. And you don't do this for every game that's, you know, in that eight and a half range, but it's for ones that fall into certain situations. And the, the theory behind it is, all right, this market is so efficient, right? This market is so, so efficient. So let's use its efficiency to your benefit as the better. So you're taking these really sharp lines that are, you know, the, the, the standard deviation of those lines is going to be really small. So now you're getting six points more than this most likely very accurate price. And you're going to be getting key numbers because in football, the numbers of three, uh, seven, six, four, sometimes eight are very important numbers um, just from game theory perspectives, you know. Um, so so that that's just teaser. It's another way to bet the NFL. Um, and it's, it's one that I – I uh, encourage people to, to explore. Now, don't go crazy on it. It's negative EV to do that for most, for, for let's say 67% of the games. It's actually negative EV by the book, like for 80% of the games. If you know what you're doing, you can do them in different situations. Um, but it's, it's just like anything else. It's a skill you have to work on. You should explain that term. Excuse me? You should explain negative EV. Oh, yes. Negative expected value. So when you're making a decision, so the easiest way to do this would be um, if I offered you uh, $51, essentially, if you're going to f- to bet you 50, I'll give you $51 if, uh, you know, you flip a coin and it's heads. 
but if it's tails, you give me $49. Uh, that's positive expected value for you because you're getting $51 if it lands heads. Uh, it's negative expected value for me because I get $49 from you if it lands tails, even though we know it's 50, 50. Mm -hmm. So it's a 1% negative EV play for me. It's a 1% positive EV play for you. Um, and like I said, it just goes back to thinking probabilistically. Now, can tails come out five times? Yes, of course it's math. It's randomness, but mathematically expected value. Uh, you should be making that you should be trying to put as much as you can on that bet. Uh, because you have positive expected value. So what I mean by negative expected value when you, so if you tease a number, let's say, so let's say you, you tease the, um, the giants bears game. So it's five and a half. So instead of the giants getting five and a half, now you're getting 11 and, and a half. Uh, you're really not going through the key number. The key number you always have to go through is three. Um, but even then you want to get to more than just three. So that it doesn't have expected value because just games don't land six to 10 nearly as often as they do uh, three to, to uh, nine, which is what you're getting or three to eight, I should say, which you're getting with the other T's. Mm -hmm. It's just how games are. We have years and years of data that shows where these games fall percentage wise. And they fall so much more uh, from that three to, to seven range than they do from, uh, you know, six to 11 or any other set of games. So that's why, so essentially what you're doing is you're making your six points as strong as possible by putting them in those areas, in those select areas, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for making me explain that though. I guess, you know, I have my old verbiage and it's like, oh yeah, I forgot this is for people to, to learn. So, and if you ever have questions on stuff, please reach out. I had some people uh, do that and uh, I, I love explaining it and trying to provide more transparency. All right, um, let's go ahead and move to the San Francisco 49ers versus New York Jets. If I was forced to make a bet right now, I would bet the this game under. Um, the Niners have what they call cluster injuries to the wide receiving court. Um, and they also have their best offensive playmaker, George Kittle. He is questionable for the game. I'm waiting, waiting to bet this uh, to see when he is out. and that, So that probably means I'll lose a point maybe. Uh, but I would rather have him out and have this bet than, you know, have this bet and know, and then he plays, if that makes sense. So it opened up 43 and a half, uh, right now, some places 41 and a half. So some people have already bet this down. So money has already moved this and the Kittle news, if he's out, I'm sure it'll go down to 40, if not 39, uh, totals. I, I'm no expert when it comes to totals, but it's really a simple handicap here. The Niners offense did not look good last week. Now they're driving across country playing the Jets. The Jets played awful last week. Um, they're, they got blown out by the Bills. Um, their calling card is their defense, especially their run defense. Um, so that means the Niners would have to pass to kind of to, to key on the Jets' weakness. But like I said, they have cluster injuries to wide receiver, which means they just have a lot of injuries to that, that position group. And their tight end, George Kittle, who, like I said, if he does play, he won't be 100%, but there's a, there's a good chance he won't play. Um, so I do like the under in that game. Uh, that's all I really want. And here's the other thing, too, is you get the Jets' offense is, is pretty terrible, and the uh, Niners' pass rush is, is top two, if not the best in the NFL. Uh, so the Jets, I think, have the worst offensive line, and the Niners arguably have the best defensive line. 
so that obviously helps with the under to uh, get to the quarterback. Uh, next, I want to talk about the Colts Vikings, and this is actually just uh, changed. The odds have just changed from when I did my show notes to when we are um, taping. But uh, so last week, both these teams underwhelmed, at least to the naked eye. Uh, the Vikings kind of got blown out by the Packers. We actually had that last week on, for the podcast for you. This was also one of my bets I had. Um, so I, the Vikings, I downgraded my power rankings. I wasn't super high on them, but their defense, they were without their best pass rusher. A lot of their, their defensive backs are rookies, and they look like it on Sunday. Um, so the look-ahead line for this was two and a half, uh, but now it's just three. Uh, favoring the Colts. The Colts lost to the Jaguars and burned a couple of my survivor picks because I had the Colts. Uh, but they outgained the Jaguars by uh, 200 yards. They didn't punt. I think that they were the 14th team in NFL history to gain 450 yards, never punt, and lose. So that's how I learned. I lost a bunch of money on Survivor on some some bullshit. Uh, and, and it was just some high event plays. Uh, they I think they had two fourth downs they didn't convert they missed some field goals the jaguars didn't turn the ball over uh it's just one of those things where everything really went right for the jaguars um so anyways the colts lose the worst team at least the perceived worst team in football and they money comes towards them and it's actually come towards them even more so earlier today they were pretty much a flat three like i said last week this this opened up uh the colts minus two and a half Earlier this week, it was going back between three and two and a half. Now it's three. And now just as of taping, it's heading towards three and a half. Remember that three is a huge, huge number. So if money is taking it from three to three and a half, that's taking a lot. Now it hasn't moved to three and a half yet, but it, it is headed that way uh, right now. Um, so, yeah, the, the Colts, I, I do like uh, what, they're, what they're doing. Also, they, this is a must-win game coming home. I mean, the Vikings is essentially a must-win game for them too. Um, but the, the Colts coming home, they are clearly the better team. Uh, if you can get a flat three, and what I mean by a flat three is that's where you pay a minus 110. Right now I'm only seeing minus 115, minus 120s. Uh, I haven't bet it yet. I still like to wait for the injury report. Uh, but if you can find a flat minus 110 for a minus three, that, that that's a good bet. Um, I think this will close at three and a half. Um, yeah. All right, moving to the Washington football team visiting your Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Arizona or excuse me, the Washington football team, first place in the NFC East, all by themselves. Tell your boy Liam that next time you see him. <laughs> tell, tell him, look up. Tell him the weather is nice up here. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so both these teams really overwhelmed their expectations. There was a lot of buzz to the Cardinals uh, coming into the year, but to go up to San Francisco and beat them, uh, I don't know if it was the wildfires or what, but Kyler Murray looked really good. DeAndre Hopkins looked great. Um, now they host the Washington football team who was down 17 nothing at half and came back and beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Washington football team has a great defensive line, uh, but they have a terrible offense, and pretty much m- most of the rest of the team other than defensive line is pretty bad. Um, so the one note I did have about this is Arizona just played the San Francisco 49ers. And I, like I said about the Niners, they have an excellent D, D line. Probably the only D line you could say is definitely better than the Washington football teams. So, and the other thing Arizona has is a mobile quarterback, which is why they were be able, they were successful against the Niners. Um, you know, Kyler Murray can evade the rush. 
they also have superstars or, or a superstar wide receiver, whereas the the Washington football team has a terrible secondary. Um, so if this gets under six, that's excuse me. If this gets under seven and it gets to like six and a half, I think this is a good bet on Arizona. I'm going to definitely use Arizona in a couple of my contest picks for my um, my betting contests because uh, they they just came out with those numbers and it's a six and a half, even though it's a seven to actually bet on it if you wanted to place money on them. Um, but that's just something I wanted to talk about. I also think Washington going across country, um, you know, we got the best outcome from them in that second half. Uh, I don't think they were as bad as their first half, but they're not as they're not nearly as good as their second half was. I think it was more about the Eagles kind of thinking the game was over, collapsed, and, uh, you know, it was just one of those outcomes where, we're looking at like a 20th percentile outcome for the Eagles. And, and that was like an 80th percentile for the, the Washington football team. And, and that's what the, uh, led to that result. Uh, so I definitely would look at the, the Cardinals if it's under a touchdown. Um, the game of the week, uh, Patriots going up to fabulous Seattle to play the Seahawks. These are two teams we learned a lot about uh, last week. Uh, as much as we learned about them, there's still questions. Cause like we said, it being a small sample size. Uh, Seattle destroyed the Falcons this past weekend. They they let Russell Wilson throw the ball. So Russell Wilson's probably been the best quarterback the last three, four years in the NFL. Uh, but they've been a really run-heavy team, and everybody analytics-wise has begged them to throw the ball more. Well, this year they threw the ball more um, They when they destroyed the Falcons this uh, week. The problem is we've seen this in the past where they've maybe week one come out throwing the ball out a lot, uh, but then they've resorted back to their running the ball ways. Uh, so it's kind of hard to put money behind that when we've been burned by the same coaching staff in years prior, uh, when we thought that they've kind of, you know, changed their, their tune on the other side of the ball, the new England Patriots, um, Cam Newton looked like he was having a lot of fun, which is really cool. Um, he's a very, very polarizing, um, player. And, and there's a part of me that, that he rubs me the wrong way. And then there's a part of me, he rubs me the right way. Um, but it looks like he's having a lot of fun. It looks like he's healthy, which is great. Um, but they ran the ball a lot. I mean, he was essentially like a running back. He had 15 rushes uh, last week. And it really seems like Josh McDaniels, who's had like, I don't know, seven or eight years as the offensive coordinator of the Patriots, you know, he's had Tom Brady, who's a freaking statue. I mean, great quarterback, but, you know, not mobile at all. It seemed like he's had a lot of fun with a mobile quarterback drawing up design runs, things of that nature. The problem is, is they were playing the Dolphins. The Dolphins are um, a rebuilding team, a young team, but a rebuilding team. And so it's kind of hard to know how much is that the Patriots and how much in Cam Newton and how much was that the, the Dolphins. Um, so just like the Seattle thing, you know, we learned a lot about from week one, but I would like to have more money or more data before putting any money behind it. I can't wait to watch the game. It's the Sunday night primetime game. Um, if Seattle does let Russell Wilson throw the ball, this is a Super Bowl contending team because that's how you play football optimally. Um, you know, some of these football coaches are stuck in the stone ages, but just the way the rules are and really just math, uh, throwing the ball is, is the plus EV, uh, move since everyone wants to use their new vocab term, uh, where, and then the Patriots, it, it's just impossible to gauge one game at home against the dolphins, how much cam can really still do. Can he still throw it? He was never really forced to throw the ball. They were never trailing in that game. Um, it was a very conservative run milk the clock, uh, offense. So I'm excited to watch it, uh, but I, I'm not going to have any money on it. 
Uh, and then lastly, the game, last game I want to talk about, because it is the Monday night game, New Orleans goes to Las Vegas, baby. Um, they are a five-and-a-half point favorite. The look-ahead line for this was, and I actually want to mention the Seattle game, the look-ahead line for that was three, and now it's four for Seattle. So it opened up three, and now it's four. Uh, the look-ahead line for the Saints was minus four and a half, so they are a four and a half point favorite. Now they are at a five and a half point favorite. Uh, five is a dead number, so it, that really doesn't mean anything. Uh, even though it's a point different, the, the games very rarely land at five, so that's really not not a, uh, a meaningful thing. But what's interesting is the Raiders won their game. They may at least met expectation, if not exceeded expectation. The Saints won their game, but they didn't. They didn't look particularly great. It was more about Tampa Bay being bad than uh, the the Saints being great. Uh, so yet we and the Saints lost their best offensive weapon, Michael Thomas, um, to an injury, and he's not likely to play in this game. So yet we didn't see money come. We didn't see the money or market move towards the Raiders. We in fact we saw it move a point, a, kind of a meaningless point, but still a point towards the Saints. So that's curious to me. Uh, as far as betting this game, I, I want nothing to do with it. Uh, I think the Saints are a good team, um, but laying that many points on, on the road, uh, cross-country, Monday night, primetime, a lot of variables. Excited to watch, but not going to have any money on it. Um, Raiders, I still think this is a, is a bottom 12 team, um, but they did look good but, uh, last week, but it was against a pretty pretty terrible Panthers, young, very young uh, Panthers team. All right, Rob, anything stick out to you? Anything you want to mention, want me to explain? No man, just got me thinking about that. Uh, the, back when we could travel, the direct flight on Southwest Vegas to New Orleans. Uh, shout out Southwest Airlines. Yes, yes, two two lovely, lovely cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, excited to to learn that. Um, I, this week was more about uh, you know kind of ways to bet games, way to think about games. Uh, we learned a lot, but there's still so much to learn. And, and, you know, if you're making a bet this week, it shouldn't solely be based on what you saw week one. There should be something else factoring into it because like we talked about, you're most likely making a, uh, an overreaction type bet. So that's going to be negative EV. You might luck out, but you know, like we said with the the coin flipping, uh, example, you know, it's, if you keep making bets like that long-term, you're going to lose. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, I'll have some DFS picks via my Twitter. Any bets I make, I, I post them through my Twitter. Uh, I, I just don't post them until I actually officially bet them. I don't want to say, oh, I, I might bet this game or not. It's I don't count it towards my record unless I uh, post it on Twitter and I leave it on Twitter. Um, unless I lose, then of course I delete them. Uh, <laughs> there are so many people that do that. Um, but yeah. Reach out to us. Uh, If not, I guess we'll see you next week. Peace.